How long gone? Coming to you live and direct from Pier 59 Studios in beautiful New York City at an undisclosed photo shoot. I'm wearing Louis Vuitton silk. How are you, Jason? I'm good. I'm good. I like that the last episode, you're like, I'm going to New York for business. You're being very cagey about it. You're like, mm, what's he doing? There? Is he going to close a deal for his C-round funding? I don't know what it is, but it was very mysterious. And now I like that you're being out and open with it. I'm here for a photo shoot. She's brave. I'm wearing um, a Laura Piana suit with a Louis Vuitton silk shirt. I have the Frank Mueller bust down on the wrist. That's, how, do you, how does it feel, Chris? For listeners at home, you are looking like Jeremy O'Harris right now. You are, <laughs> you I wish are, I had that kind of hair. You are too straight and too white to be wearing these clothing items. How does it feel, Chris? Uh, well, it feels pretty good. I mean, You're pulling it off, though. You're pulling it off. I appreciate you. I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, obviously, when, when the, the photos and, and film drop. Did I really pull it off? That's the question. I'll let the fans be the judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm merely, Jason, I'm merely a mannequin. You know, you know what I mean? I work. I work. I let the stylists do their thing. I don't really ask a lot of questions. I prefer to let artists create. I think you would agree with I'm me. Gonna, I'm going to call extreme bullshit on that. <laughs> I think you're just, I think you're just saying that because they don't let you choose what clothes you're going to wear. That might be part of it. Okay, I don't know. There's but a little bit of that. There's a little bit. I think that you usually have a very strong opinion about such matters. I but, do. No, I do. But you know, I like that you're letting letting go and letting God take the wheel for a little. Let bit. Let go and let God. But in this case, I think it's more because. You know, it's like a room, a giant studio full of designer clothes, and it all looks mm-hmm. it, it, to me. It's all just like I'm good on this. Like I like, you know, I, I, it's it's too, it's overwhelming. Right, right, right. Like you're okay. You go to you go to seize candy, and like, what do you have? And you're like, yeah, what won't I have? This all looks delicious to me. Yeah, I prefer a Hershey's bar plain, but you know, you guys got all this funky shit. So please, maybe Jesus. I'll sample a raspberry flavor. You know? Okay, so that's nice. We all know the almond cluster is the number one oh, I'm food sorry. treat at seize candy, but I've never been to seize candy. What? No, bro. Why would I go there? You're a Southern fat boy. You never been to C's? No. Uh. Uh-uh. That's your fucking. That's your Zara, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> pull, pull the truck up front. Throw the keys to little C's. I've never been there. <laughs> I've never been there. <laughs> Certainly, you've sampled their wares, though. I don't think so. It always looked to me like it's like the Macy's of candy. Like I'm all set. Uh, is it actually good? I know. I know your mom is listening to this right now. Send me a DM, Linda. Le- I need to know. <laughs> I, I know for a fact that your little fat ass was eating candy. <laughs> some, maybe. I'm surviving on on cold brew right now, uh, feeling flying high. Um, but uh, you know, I got a lot of messages that, that of people wanting us to discuss the slap heard around the world. What happened? I haven't read this yet. From Sunday night's Oscar Oscar broadcast, um, and I have to say, guys, I loved all of it. Like, I think it was handled perfectly. I think. Will Smith is an unhinged Scientologist. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Rock needed to get a little smacky, and I think it's good for ratings. So everybody wins. Win, win, win. Well, certain someone has to lose in this situation, and it, it has been our collective eyes and ears on yeah, social yes, media. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, yeah, exactly. you know, I, the, I, I, I can't disagree with anything that you said. And I, I was, we were talking about it right after it happened. I may have may not have ingested an edible um, style gummy, uh-huh. and it'll affect the way that your brain thinks and, and moves for a while. But we were talking. I forgot what I texted you, but I said like clearly this is the Illuminati, aka Scientology, mm-hmm. using their mind control yeah. with a dash of brainwashing. Exactly to you know someone someone at the academy was like, hey Scientology. Ratings are tanking. Yeah, we need things are not looking. We got to do all this woke shit. We got to have wheelchair motherfuckers. We got to do all this shit. <laughs> you know, this is a sinking ship. We're, we're letting we're letting we're letting women host for Christ's sakes. Can you they guys help us? Amy Schumer hosting. Uh, she's never been in a movie before. No, she has, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> not a real, not not a capital F film. She's not a member of cinema, but but you know, they said, hey, we got to do something. And they were like, you know, here's what we're going to do. We have control over Will Smith's brain, and we're going to have him do some type of yeah, yeah. some Chirino Montague style slap, you know, an unhand her yeah. type of slap. It clearly didn't hurt Chris Rock, and he's a frail little man. He was bruised, apparently. I'm hearing reports that he was bruised and shaking after the incident. He was shook. Uh, but if I got slapped <laughs> on live television, 
uh, I would also be shook regardless if it hurt or not. You know what I mean? That's not really the- I would be so excited to get slapped on live television at the Oscars. Once that happens, you have a green light to do truly anything. And- His ticket sales are through the roof. I read today that it's like the like the resale price is like quadruple. Right, right, right. But I think that his stand up, you can go see him at the store. I'd love to go see him at the store. But the the real thing here is is that white people are calling for Will Smith to be arrested, and that's the biggest problem. <laughs> they said this is assault. If it was a regular person, you would be arrested. And you know what I say to that, Jason? These aren't regular people. <laughs> Okay, this is not, these are not regular people. These are very, very famous, very, very rich people. And this really didn't hurt anyone. Like this, this, except like you said, our collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. It hasn't, it, nothing, nothing bad happened. Well, I I agree with you completely. And, you know, it is, you know, the argument is if this was just a regular person who did this and not Will Smith, you know, he would, they would have been tackled and arrested. Like, of course that would happen. Um, but there, there is, one loser to this which is sort of like the overall like mm-hmm. future of our existence because you know normalizing violence we know i think we need to normalize violence i think we need more violence <laughs> i think we need it's, it's kind of two sides because we do need violence like if somebody we need to live in a world where if somebody disrespects you or your wife or your family you can give them a slap and live to fight another day we're not shooting up any schools. We're not drone bombing anyone. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I'm saying low level violence. Normal. Let's normalize duffing people out when they say wild shit to your face. Okay. We so we want battery, not assault and battery. Yeah. I mean, like if somebody says wild shit to you, you should be able to punch them. Like I, I'm not saying you should be able to shoot them. I'm not saying you should be able to drone bomb them. I'm not saying you should be able to run them over with your car. I'm not saying that, that you know. I think mm. there's a level of violence <laughs> that would put the world back in check in a way that we might need. Okay. So. A Back to a little bit of street justice. I mean, the problem is we tried that out for a while and it didn't work out super great. No, that's true. Because like no, any go- I- any good rule, you know, all it takes is a couple bad apples mm-hmm. and it'll spoil the whole bunch. We used to be able to drink beers out of a glass bottle, mm-hmm. you know, and now you got to drink it out of a plastic cup because one person fucked it up. Now when I check in at the Dream Hotel and I get my Corona light and they pour it in a cup. You know, and it's just not, doesn't really, doesn't stay quite as cold. You understand that as a suds lover. Yeah, they used to give us plastic straws before we fucked that up. You know, the list can go on and on, but I think I agree with all that. And I, I think that the, the, the the problem is someone is going to see that and be like, oh, not only is it okay to hit somebody to assault them, you know, batterize them, but not only do they go unpunished, but they, they become celebrated. You know, they watch a guy no, no, hit another person, and then five minutes later, they're dancing to yeah. "Welcome to Miami" at a Nobu private room. But it is called being a celebrity. <laughs> well, it's also MMA, bro. The, the popularity of MMA <laughs> com- is is what really le- people think they can they, they can do this. I I just I guess what I'm saying is that <laughs> there's a there's a time and a place for a little tap on the nose, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not going to say national TV is that place, but I'm going to say that that place exists, and I think that like. We, you know, it's it, what what it really is is people have this overconfidence from talking shit on the internet, and I think that that people behave like there's no consequences anymore. Myself included. Yeah, yeah, no, we're all guilty of it, and not that getting slapped in the face is some giant consequence, but it it would make you think about doing it again, you know, twice. I agree with that. I think Will's head was in the right place. I like the idea of him being like, you know what? I'm going to bring back an open-handed slap from one man to another who has disrespected me to in turn disrespect him. I like that on paper, but in terms of execution, no, you no, know, no. it was executed by the mind of Will Smith, which is, which is in a bit of a state right now. The, his check engine light has been on for a little while. Bro, if, you're, if your chick was on, on Facebook Live talking about getting pounded by a 24-year-old R&B singer, you, you would be mm-hmm. at wits in too. But the thing is, mm-hmm. celebrities, it's tough. You know, it's tough with celebrities. It doesn't, <laughs> it, is, it doesn't feel real. You know what I mean? Like this is not – I prefer the Jim Jones, Freddie Gibbs style where mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a kerfuffle at a seafood restaurant in Miami. Mm-hmm. All the guys were there. Everybody knows what happened. There's no footage of it, but we all know it happened. Yep, yep. That, that's the tasteful way. That's cool. That's the code of the streets, the G code. We ain't talking to no one. We ain't filming nothing. We ain't, we ain't doing this on Instagram Live. Yeah. There's no witnesses. There's no. It's a lost art. I, mean, that's, I agree, That's and it's handled between men or women, between women or whoever. They, they settle it quietly, and you keep it moving. People want to talk. 
It only makes you look cooler and more kind of infamous. It only makes you look cooler. That story made me like both of those guys more because it was like, hey, man, like, yeah, I, I, you know, somebody got duffed out, but we handled it and that's the end of it. Like, there's no more. We don't need to talk about it. We'll let Charlemagne talk about it, but he's only speculating because he's got no footy. Where's the footage? Sweat? The next time you say something out of line to me, I'm going to slap you and we're going to see how it goes. Uh, you're talking about me? I am talking about God, you. I would love, I would love nothing more. Than to be slapped by you. We should work on a, a bit where I slap you, uh, or you slap me, either way. But anyway, we do have a guest today. Uh, Willa Bennett um, is the first woman to lead social at GQ Magazine. She's the Forbes 30 under 30, which is always, I'm going to, mm. can't wait to ask her who she paid to get that going. Um, but uh, The fellas have been leading social media at GQ for decades, and now finally... A woman has taken the reins. I'm feeling great about it. I'm feeling good about it too. We need more of that. But let's uh, let's give Willa a jingle and uh, see what she's been up to. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's you know what? It's our pleasure. Um, excuse my outfit. I'm just on a set right now. Oh, what's that? I, I can't really talk about it, but it's. I'll it's tell something. you. com. <laughs> no, but for real, thank you. I feel like you guys have had so many cool people I've worked with on here. I feel like I can officially say. I work at GQ because I have been on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were, we've, we've had the fucking GQ janitor on the the, the front desk guy. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I finally, what did, what did I do to finally get the get the compliment? What did it take to finally get chosen by Chris Black? I wonder the same thing sometimes. Yeah. Willa, Willa, it was the tie. Willa. <laughs> It wasn't the tie that the mailroom guy was unavailable, so we kind of <laughs> were like, let's let's hit Willa and see if she's there. No. Uh, I, I'm happy to do it. Now I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. And also, like, there's no rhyme or reason to this stuff. At a certain point, someone will pique my interest. Wow. I'll bang their line, and they will join us on on the Zoomy. Chris was moved by the photography of uh, Nicholas Cage. Have you seen? He wears different funky clothes, <laughs> and he looks insane. So he saw that. He saw that, and he was like. I got to have whoever wrote that. I did not write that. And I just wanted everyone to know. <laughs> but you did not write that. So then you kind of go down the line from there. You go down the chain. Okay, I got it, got it. Jason, I think, aspires to dress like Nicolas Cage in that spread a little bit in some ways. Jason, is that crazy for me to I've, say? I've always, I've always had a connection with Cage. When I was, when I was like a youngster, <laughs> maybe like 18, I would go to this 80s. 80s style nightclub bear with me here willa mm -hmm. and i had a sh i had a sugar mama i had a sugar mama that would what well it was it was a it wasn't a it wasn't transactional sounds like a sounds more like a splenda mama if there's no oh there we go chris that's good stuff right there <laughs> used, um... yes it was a. Uh... Oh God! <laughs> I was say, I, I'm surprised I've never met you, Chris. I feel like we have so many mutual friends. I'm waiting to run into you at finales every time, and I never do. So this is our first meeting. I don't, I don't love finales, and Whoa. you know, I do know your dad, though. I know your dad. Wow, well, let's just go get right into it. No, I famously love finales. I go multiple times a week. It's embarrassing. I, I feel like I come up with all my best stories at finales, honestly. So finales, that's like a sports bar, something like that in NYC. What is it? It's like a bar in, it's not even a bar. It's like a restaurant in Soho. And I, I just moved to the West Village in uh, August. Yeah, I, I've become obsessed with finales. I'll go on my way home. At, my schedule is like very insane. and It's very busy in the morning. Mm. I try to leave work and walk home around like five or six. And I will sometimes walk by and I just think the people watching there is amazing. And I've met people so watching is good. People watching is good. I agree with you. What kind of what kind of people are at finales? I don't what Give me an example. European tour, European tourists and local hotties. The only two kinds of people that exist in Soho. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Well, honestly, honestly, I don't drink. So the setting is it like a dive bar kind of setting mm -hmm. is only good when you're drunk or doing coke. I need I need a nice if if you want to meet me for a drink, we're going to go to a hotel lobby so that I can be comfortable and you can also, you know, take part in in your mm -hmm. in your activities. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I went to Finale's the last time I was there. I was watching some tennis on the TV and yeah. above the bar, is that right? Yeah, you you definitely there's sports. Um my friends love to sit at the pods, but I personally love this one table in the middle because you get both sides and you can watch and mm. I don't know, I've met some really great friends there. I've written some cool stuff there. I write a lot of poetry and I'll write there for hours and you know, I'm friends with the people that work there now and um, it's become like definitely like a staple in my life. What kind of people work there? Like, is it like hotties, like Cafe Mogador <laughs> vibe, or is it like old, haggard women? What are these? 
choices neither there's like cool young people are these some are i mean we're talking about some real barnacle bitches in there you know what i'm saying some nasty ass motherfuckers savage or also it could also be nasty ass fellas too don't worry willa <laughs> that's true fellas is nasty too baby <laughs> and yes we are going absolutely savage mode on you right now we do apologize i'm gonna, I'm gonna rein this in um but uh, <laughs> good luck good luck you good luck. try sweetheart the funniest thing that happened to me in finales is like a week ago and then we really have to talk about something else because i cannot make finales my whole personality and i, I do need to kind of go over their menu options when you're done but yeah go tater, ahead. tater tots for willa okay so I was there like two days ago, sitting at my favorite table. I was sitting at my favorite table. Tater tots for the table. You guys will help me with these? Okay, go ahead. You're holding court in your center booth. What What are you sipping on? Budweiser? I actually was drinking Diet Coke. And it was, I think it was like a Saturday. It was like 4 p.m., whatever. I'm there with like one of my best friends. You know, we're talking about, we normally talk about fashion, you know, memes, all of the above. And mm-hmm. someone like walks by me. Do you guys want to go get a Diet Coke at four in the afternoon on a Saturday at a dive bar and talk about fashion? <laughs> and memes? Does a bear shit in the fucking woods? Okay, okay, okay. We're raining this in right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, anyways, somebody like makes eye contact with me and I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, and somebody's like, oh, like you're, you're the, you're the gay at GQ, like literally says those words. And my friend like loses it and like starts laughing and I'm wearing the tie and I'm like, oh, like, what's your name? Sit down. And this person was like, I I just wanted to say like you inspire, like sits down, whatever. Mm -hmm. I obviously don't know how to handle anything. So they're like, oh, I read this thing you wrote um, about wearing ties, which I was wearing a tie at the time. And I was like, yeah, like, I think all women should wear ties. Avril Lavigne, my whole thing. (laughs) We read dime piece. We read dime piece. Okay. We know what's going on. (laughs) And yeah, this woman was like, you, you like, it taught me a lot about my personal style. Like truly like you, you have made me feel comfortable wearing ties. And it was this moment where I was like, wow, like, I don't know, just such a special moment. I used to be so insecure about the fact that I wore ties and so insecure about, you know, being this queer woman who like, mm-hmm. you know, only wore menswear. And so to for, to reverse and have this moment at finales was so special to me. And I've been thinking about it a lot because in the moment I just like turned red and said nothing. But, mm. you know, in retrospect, I've been thinking about it, like how cool that I could be sitting in a place like finales and someone read a story I wrote and it empowered them to uh, brought it all full circle for you. That's why I love this city. That's why I love this fucking city. Uh, let me ask you a question though. Horrified. What? <laughs> Where is this going? I'm honestly shaking. Do you, <laughs> do you think this woman's intentions were pure? Or think she was trying to maybe, you know, it was, for sure fear it was just like someone who read something i wrote no that's good i mean so you you so you've been kind of you said you were a little insecure about your fashion style for so long and when you were younger and now you know you your confidence level has is here and you're now actually influencing people and you're helping people <laughs> come out of the literal closet and with some real fashion well, some fashion trailblazing that's got to feel good you, you you must feel vindicated a little I, bit i like always wanted to be a writer when i grew up like i believe in storytelling so deeply like i'm the type of person you like, sound you sound like me talking to a prospective client i like this <laughs> i I, feel like- I believe in storytelling so deeply guys i can we're gonna make a lot of money together if we do this right i wish it said storyteller <laughs> oh, on your God. linkedin something to think about will no, i'm like <laughs> person that's like sitting on the subway like watching three people talking and i'm like they're in love they just broke up like i'm like writing these narratives in my head like that is like how my brain works and so to me to be able to tell a story to like hear that someone actually reads it is Mm. so meaningful to me and especially going back to your saying about you know wearing menswear like i was so insecure about my queerness and the way i dressed for so long of my life and i feel like working at gq with people who embrace personal style and actually encourage people to be the most like authentic version of themselves is just so special. And yeah, that, that was just like my finale story when on the topic. Well, I got to say, it sounds like a delicious spot. I can't wait to check it out. <laughs> yeah, Jason, the tater tots are great. Tater tots with a side of, I read your story. It's, it's <laughs> on the menu. It's on the back, yeah, it's on the back, lower, a lower, it's on the lower back half of the menu. Hey bro, is you the GQ gay? <laughs> That's the coolest line I've ever heard. Yo, 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 you the gay from GQ? That's fire. Let me let me sit down. <laughs> and GQ, if you're listening, we need more than one, okay, guys? If we can't just have you and Sam Hine, we need some more. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Uh, Willa, you set me up for that one. I had to take it. My king. Uh, well, what is the... Um, when did you start wearing a tie? Because I, I think that the... Um, I would like to know what kind of ties you're selecting. Are we going vintage? Are we going, you know, custom? Like, what are we, 
you know, there's such a, a myriad of, of ties available to you. Chris, I have a feeling the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I honestly have alerts on eBay as my secret that I probably shouldn't be telling everyone. I have all like my favorite brands. I get alerts. Um, most of them like sure. literally cost like $10. Um, this one that I'm wearing today, mm-hmm. Vintage Masoni inspired by Mobilaji, who works at GQ. He had this sweater. And, and used to wear it all. I mean, he still does. They used to wear it all the time in the pandemic. And this was like part of the pandemic when like no one was going out. I was like in my apartment by myself for like 12 hours a day. He would like ride past my apartment in Fort Greene and be like, Lula, and I'd come out. And he had this cardigan I was obsessed with that was vintage from Sony. And then two weeks ago, I was in the West Village and I found this tie and I texted him being like, look, it's your cardigan as a tie. So now we love we we love yeah. Mas- we love Missoni, one of my favorite dynasties. <laughs> Missoni for Target that changed my life, and I gotta say, your look right now is giving it's giving Dracula. Can I say that? <laughs> hey, you're in a very like, I don't know what your story is. You're not going to tell me. I know, but uh, it, you're in a wild wild Zoom, zoom world right now. The Mas- the Missoni the Missoni tie is the color of blood, though. I will say that is true. It's no, a, you have a you have a Nosferatu look about you at the moment. It's not. I don't mean that disparagingly. It's cool. You just have a, you know, it's a little Victorian. It's a little Draculine. I love a little Victorian flair, personally. <laughs> I've got Bridgerton season two on the mind. You must. Okay, here's my question for both of you. What is like your dream tie? Jason's Jason favors an Hermes, like a vintage Hermes, which I think looks great on him. Yeah, I like a tie that has like a very bizarre kind of pattern on it. Like I have, like I have one. One tie, it's like wheelbarrows or something like that. It's like an old Burberry one. You know, just something where it's like nobody else is ever going to buy this or want this unless you're like a total freak. And usually those are the ones that are affordable and, you know, you can get like a sick-ass you know, Hermes tie for, like you said, 10 bucks. There's one thing about me that I need to teach you, Will, is I don't like things that are affordable. That's not really my zone. <laughs> um, so I'm more of like a... I think it's hates a deal. Yeah, I hate deals. I hate I hate sales. I want to pay full price. I'll pay more than full price if that's an available option. So vintage shorts. No, I wear all vintage. I wear mostly vintage clothes to be honest. Check it out on the real real. Yeah, have you heard of sustainability? It's really important for the real real. <laughs> no, um but I would say I like a raw silk tie. Um personally because okay. it has a little mm. texture to it that I like, but maybe a mm. s- Savile Row silk you know, of some sort, Drake's or the Armory, those guys all make okay. like that kind of like, because they can, I don't know the material. I didn't know what that was. Like I'd never heard of that material until I saw a tie made out of it. Um, but I, I really, mm-hmm. I, I like those and I don't wear a tie <laughs> too often. Um, and usually it's just a Tom Brown gray, you know, suit tie, the, the tie that matches the uniform. Um, Mm-hmm. But a funky tie is a great way to express oneself. I, I wear them like every single day. And I think I actually got to rein it in. I'm having the opposite problem, but I have so many now because it, it's such like a it's such like a game for me online now. It's like, oh, this Burberry tie, $5. You need it. Yeah, you need it. You need you it. Need it. You need it. You need it. Ralph Lauren, this is like, they can't even find this anymore. $3. Yeah, but Willa, you've seen you've seen the ba- the Beanie Babies documentary. This can end, <laughs> this can end poorly. This could end you know poorly. That, right? Yeah, you could go to jail for tax evasion if you keep buying uh, this. I don't want you to just wake up one day with your the pockets of your trousers turned inside out, she's penniless, and you have to sleep on a bed of ties because that's all you've got. That's all you, you sold got. Your, you sold your Casper mattress to get a get a few uh, Hugo bosses. If I see you at Finelli's in a dress made of ties stitched together, I'll know that you've hit the oh, skids. Baby. I'll know that you've hit the skids, and we need to pray for you. We'll need to do some some outreach. You know, Chris, that, how'd you know what I'm wearing to Chloe seven years? <laughs> no, I think that the, but I think that the uniform dressing is an important, you know, is an important yes. thing. And I, I, I subscribe to it more as far as a palette goes. Like I can't wear the same single thing every day. Um, Jason likes to get funky with it, which is part of his kooky personality. I'm funky as hell, but, but he's, you're, you're a normal size person. I'm a normal size person kind of, um, Except for my biceps and my quads, obviously. But Jason's a, you know, Jason's so big that when he funks it up, it really works for him. And I'm big. My 600 pound podcasts are big. I am big. <laughs> I, I actually go back to uniform dressing. I, I actually really agree with this. Like, I have very few things that I wear a lot. I don't think everyone needs all the clothes that they think they need. I think actually like your select things are so important. I, I subscribe to this personally. No, I mean, well, I think also it's, it, it makes life easier, but it also is, is a, um, I don't know. I, you know, I think we're all paralyzed by choice to an extent and you know, most things are ugly 
uh, also. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's almost if you find something you like, well, when are you going to start getting the, the Charvet button downs custom made? We need the initials on them. I, I need you to step it up a little bit. I know these Conde salaries aren't great, but like you could take on some freelance projects. I think that my dream, my dream purchase, like I just one day would be like to be able to, I, I said this in my dive piece, but like to be able to collect watches, like that is, would be so sick if I could get there. Right now, we're you know we're still working on the ties and we're still fleshing that well, out. We have to we, we have to start somewhere. What kind I see of your watch? You want to tell us the story behind that one? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a Frank Mueller. It's on loan. Um, I'm just wearing it right now because I, be nice. it's not model zone. Let's say that not model zone. I don't like watches. I, I don't like the way they feel. That's my issue with it. Jason, you don't wear. You, Jason used to wear an Apple Watch, but I made fun <laughs> of him so much that he stopped. No, I don't. I don't like how watches feel either. But I, sh- I think at some point I am being. I will be like pressured by the universe and my life partner to get you know just to get some dumb you know Rolex that costs eight thousand dollars that just stays in a drawer for the rest of my life. You know. I wear it once, once or twice a year. I gave it to, I gave mine to Al. She resized it. She wears it. It's a lot cooler on her than it is on me. I, I just feel like, I don't know. Sometimes there's so many guys though I know that pull it off and look super cool. Every time I put one on, I just feel like I'm trying too hard. I think it looks cool. I mean, your zoom background is definitely a vibe, but, uh, the watch, the watch is cool. He's talking to us from space. This is for fun because I'm playing dress up for money, but like in my day to day life, I don't think I could. I just can't commit to a watch. Like I, I think that I like them on other people so much, but I just every time I do it, I'm just like, you look stupid, bro. Also, living in L.A., Willa, you don't live here, but it's dangerous out here. Yeah. If you're over here at the Hot Chicken Cafe, you'll get took for your Patek very quickly, so you can't even wear it. Well, I, I actually grew up in L.A., so I got you. <laughs> so, but you escaped. You escaped when it started getting tough. I did. didn't also you? the part of Brent, yeah. the part of Brentwood you live in is not. It's probably okay. I- no, Brentwood is the, is the main target space. Oh, it is. I'm not from Brentwood. Oh, you're not from Willow. What was it? Grow? Was it like growing up in Brentwood? B town. <laughs> yeah, I like to call I've it. been to Brentwood like twice. Okay, that's a lie. I don't know. How, how was high school in Malibu though? Is it different or is it kind of similar to regular high school? Okay, I really grew up in Silver Lake, but Silver Lake now is now is hip. Like this is my this is my thing with Silver Lake is like I grew up there, um, and I would like tell my friends I'd be like, come to Silver Lake, come to Silver Lake. It's so fun. Like. And they'd be like, that is so far, will it never? And I'd be like, I like, you know, we were 18. I was like, we go to these bars. They won't check our IDs. And they'd be like, no, that is so far. Like, we'll never come That's to right. you. That's and right. now I go home. They all mm-hmm. live in Silver Lake. And they're like obsessed with it and posting yeah. it on Instagram. They're over at El Prado. You're a trendsetter, Willa. Yeah, you're you know. just you're ahead of the curve once again, and you should rub it in those losers' faces on how long gone. That's what you should mm-hmm. do. Hopefully, you bought real estate there early, and then you can sell <laughs> your house to these fucking scallywags. Yeah. Willa, I want yeah. to talk one more question about ties. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't always wear a tie super tight, right? It's usually yeah. kind of on the looser Levine style, right? Yeah. Good. Wow, you pay attention. I'm so honored, Jason. But me as a tie wearer, I do like it a little tight. But the best part about wearing a tie. It's when at the end of the day you come home from the office and you loosen oh, that. How God. good that feels to oh, you know nothing it, better. It's kind of it has a little bit of an autoerotic asphyxiation, accidental quote unquote mm-hmm. suicide. You know that's right. It has a little Bourdain. It has a little Bourdain chubby vibe to it. Swear you know to God, it was heroin. I swear <laughs> it was heroin. But you know that feeling where you know or you're at a wedding and you've been. You just you've been all buttoned up the whole time, and then you know it's it's midnight at the reception, and you know fuck it, the tie's coming off. You loosen it up a little bit. Robin dancing on your own comes on. You loosen the tie a little bit. You get two <laughs> shots from the bartender. I can Will, see. It how now. does that feel to you? I want to know how that special feeling feels in your brain. I love it. It's amazing. I I yeah, love every amazing. part of the tie. I love tying it. I love <laughs> loosening it. I love putting. I, I literally love all of it, and I. I again like have it's just been such a part of my personal style for so long. I feel like I'm more confident about it now, but I've been wearing them forever. It's crazy. Okay, is this going to develop into a tie kink? <laughs> yeah, what? it feels like it's getting there. It feels like it's a tie kink. I feel like no it's shade, there. no shade. We don't kink shame on how long on. I often bring my silks into the bedroom as well. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because there's so many different ways to wear a tie, and I think for me, my favorite way to wear a tie truly is with a suit, which. I feel like it's a boring answer and not what anyone wants me to answer. Everyone's like, oh, but like Evan Moffin Gossip Girl. And I'm like, no. No, like, I, do. I agree with I you. Actually, I agree with like, you. A crisp suit, a crisp button-up steamed. Like I'm very meticulous about everything being steamed, which is like... Like Uma Thurman 
on the on the Oscars. Oh, give oh God, there wasn't her a wrinkle. Steamer, the real Oscar, am I right? No, there was not a wrinkle in that thing. I tell you not what, a wrinkle on that Bottega. So you're saying you're one of those funky ass weirdos who thinks a tie goes well with a suit? <laughs> Very interesting, <laughs> crazy. I, yeah, I'm basically like being. <laughs> what is it like inside that fucked up mind answer, of yours? But like, I truly think like a suit and a tie is the best look. I think that you feel. At least I agree. For me, like I feel the most confident in that. If I have like a big presentation at work, like I will be like steamed suit, mm-hmm. button up tie, like jewelry tucked away in it. Really like how I feel best. Does your dry cleaner have the MX on file or are you doing the steaming yourself? <laughs> no, I steam it myself. What do you think? Well, we need to get our money up yet again. We don't. We drop off Chris, of the dry cleaners, on, baby. Chris, I do this all myself. Yeah. We all, no, I, no I Chris steam. has owned a steamer for, since before I've met him. He's just... Oh, that's so him. funny. That's like one of my most used objects is like my steamer. I actually plan on steaming later this afternoon. <laughs> what are you steaming? I'm doing some proactive steaming, actually. I will say I spend a lot of time steaming, though. Like, it, it is like a time commitment. Like, it is like a morning, like, time with myself. Like, I, I meditate every morning. I, like, meditate. I make overnight oats. And then I steam my steam. Damn. It's like a, it, it's like a long morning routine. <laughs> You're a cool-ass white chick, Willa. <laughs> You're, have you seen that movie, The Intern? Could <laughs> we talk... <laughs> What? You know that movie, The Intern? Jason's favorite. That's Jason's favorite movie. What's his name? Uh, De Niro. He's in it, or is he the other guy? Who's the old guy on the Intern? That's De Niro. Remind me of that. I remind you of that. Wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm always like I mean, this podcast. Like your whole thing is that you drag people, so I do feel like I'm being dragged, but it's okay. Like I, I'm good to be. Dragged. None of this is a drag, Willa. That's my favorite movie of all time. That's Jason's favorite movie. That's being not a compared joke. to I don't know Robert De Niro, the greatest living actor alive. Yeah, he's that the greatest living actor alive. Thank you, Jason, for that. Letting uh-huh. us know twice <laughs> behind Anne Hathaway. Of course, our our queen is um. I didn't know you grew up in Silver Lake. Did you ever live in Nashville or no? Oh, yeah. So my dad, um, no, I grew up with my mom in Silver Lake, just us two. She was a single mother um, and I had an older sister. And then my dad lived in Nashville at the time. So I spent a lot of time there. I love Nashville. Yeah, he, he had like a, he had two donkeys. That man, that man had two donkeys. You can't have just one. Cracker and Dynamite were their names. Like it was truly like on a what? farm. Um, I would like wake up early. This is a common theme in my life, and like go take care of the donkeys. I love. Wake it. up early and steam your donkey saddle. <laughs> You'd fly what? in from LA, take off your Prada sunglasses, and go right to the farm and start shaving the donkey. You live a crazy life. I tell you what. <laughs> so you go to you go to Van Nuys, hop on the PJ, <laughs> and said, "Take me straight to the donkey ranch." And they're like, "Wow, we've never flown to these coordinates before." beautiful i'm named after the author willa cather and you know have you either you read my antonia but it's like basically has like these beautiful landscapes of these like fields and it's all it's like literally so fitting for my life like now i am a Mm -hmm. writer and like i spent so many of my formative years like in the countryside in tennessee like writing about grass and falling in love and all that Mm -hmm. and so it's like it's like all no i think that the duality of that though at that age is probably really nice you know what i mean like because L.A. is insane. L.A. is an insane place to grow up. Like to go to yeah. high school in L.A. is like mind boggling to me. So to be able to be able to go to to Nashville and unplug with the goats and, you know, talk about Tom Petty <laughs> with your dad. That's the that's the dream right there. It's the first time Chris has said the word goat when he's uh, literally. <laughs> yeah, I only talk about the sneaker app usually. But this time we're talking about actually the sneaker app or just like a legendary dude. <laughs> Yeah, legendary dude, exactly. Well, what? Because Nashville to me, I've been there a lot myself as a as a Southern person, you know. And I I don't think I get it anymore. Like I don't think I don't know. Like it's it's fine to go for a couple days and see my friends and go to a couple restaurants. I'm a big Rolf and Daughters guy. I'm sure you are too. Um, but I just don't. It it feels I can't explain it. It feels like it grew too fast. And now I need you to explain to me what taking care of a goat entails. Yeah, it's a donkey. Oh, I'm sorry, a donkey. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can keep going. Get, I'm gonna let you have it, honestly. Okay, well, uh, first question: What's the difference between a donkey and a goat? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you can't tell us biologically speaking. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. I, I love this. Um, exactly. No, taking care of it. I mean, you basically just well, you like walk it around. So I'd like, well, I honestly, I was like so young, I would talk to it. <laughs> I would hang out, I'd sure, brush its sure, hair, sure. you know, just make sure it has food, water. That's nice. Just normal donkey stuff. So many of my formative years, like taking care of this like one donkey tracker. There's tracker and dynamite, but tracker was always my favorite. And I just would like sit there and like talk to it and like read it in my journal. This like, is beautiful stuff. No, this is beautiful stuff. Well, is tracker still with us? <laughs> 
you know, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> you don't even know if this man is dead or alive? <laughs> no, like they, so my dad moved back to LA a couple years ago. Um, and I have two teen sisters and they live in LA and um, he, they, the donkey stayed. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen them in a really long time, but I swear if I'm ever there one day, hopefully work will take me to Nashville. I'm first thing I'm going to do off the plane is go. Don't worry. Don't worry. Jack White wears ties too. So I'm sure you got a reason to go to Nashville. I'm sure we could make it work. <laughs> Tracker, if you're listening right now, <laughs> but Nashville is such a cool, we're coming for you. cool place. Like I would hundred percent live there. One of my favorite Nashville stories is my older sister, Scout and I, we like went into town and we, we were just like, you know, exploring, going vintage shopping. And we like stumbled into this, like old cathedral, like just us two, like two teens, like had no business doing this at all. And we like sit down and there's like clearly a concert going on. And we're like, oh, like, what is this? And we walk in and we kind of sneak in and we're like two teens. So, you know, that's cool at the time. And it was literally a Fiona Apple concert that what? we saw Ooh. just Scout and I. And we still talk about this moment. It was, it was just one of those moments like you just can't make up. Music, sit- like, music City, baby, living up to its name. That is yeah. very cool. You're speaking my language. Wait, what year was this in? Do you remember? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. It must have been like 2006, five, mm. like around there. Okay. But yeah, my sister and I still talk about it as like one of our like favorite days of our entire now lives. Now we're talking, yeah, you know I'm a Lilith Fair guy, so I'm this is right up my street. Uh I only listen to female singer-songwriters. So This I, is my favorite topic. I try to. No, I'm serious. I I I took Jason to see Girl Puppy a couple weeks ago. I mean, we we just really this is where I lean. I don't know why I can't track it really. Um but Jason, you you uh, we overlap sometimes. You're not you're open to it. Yeah, we just I mean we just had Cat Power on. Yeah, the last episode of this podcast, so it's going Cat Power and 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 WWWB Willa Bennett, <laughs> musical greats, two musical. Greats. But yeah, we just we just love the sweet voice of a of a female singer. You know, it is what it is. Nothing wrong with admiring such beauty. Yeah, someone the other day was like, "Who is your favorite writer right now?" And I literally could only think of like writers that were like young females like writing music in their bedroom because i think you know like somebody asked me the other day like how much would you pay to listen to driver's license for the first time again and i was like literally so much money (laughs) to listen to that bridge for the first time like i tell you what i i'm with you on that i'm i'm rodrigo hive and i agree with you and i do have it on good authority that she is actually dating zach bia so you you heard it. That's that's true. That's not some doom wash shit. That's straight from the horse's mouth. I feel unwell. Like the way that she wrote that song. Well, this guy Dan wrote it actually, but I know what you I mean. I could not write anything like that again. The way that her forty-eight person team <laughs> of writers wrote that song. Okay, true, oh my lord! The, the way that the way that Paramore wrote that song is so crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> I just think there's a, there's a way that you can write when you're that age. Like I like when I was in Nashville hanging out with Tracker and Dynamite. Like the way I was experiencing the world, the way I was writing in my journal. Like I could never do that again like no you're right there's like an innocent there's an innocence to it yeah there's an innocence to it that can't be replicated i agree with you and that i mean i feel like she'll be around for a long time even though her rise was like meteoric and like pretty insane like i think that like i think she's controlling it by doing smaller venues on her tour oh yeah we talked about that we talked about this with mayor the other night he was like her she's so smart by she could go john mayor she could go sell out arenas if she wanted to but she's not doing that because she's so it's so new it's like so much smarter for longevity for her to like do it the way she's doing it now. But I think like the specificity of her lyrics, they're just so special. And there's a couple like female artists that like, I truly like read their lyrics and I'm like, this is storytelling. This is real. It's funny you say that because I'm anti lyric. actually. <laughs> wow. Oh no, I'm all about the lyrics. You're a lot younger than me. And that's why, because I think, I think we're post lyrics. Chris used to like lyrics, but now he's so old. Exactly. And I can read good. Don't get it twisted. So other than Olivia, who are some other female songwriter? Mm-hmm. We'll call them poets. Yeah. That where you listen to it and you say this motherfucker spitting. Yeah. Okay, obviously Phoebe. Yeah, obviously Phoebe. Obviously, insane. Like the specificity. I've told you this before. Like the specificity of her lyrics are just unmatched. Like the, you feel like you're there with mm-hmm. her. So you you you've said the word specificity about a, a baker's dozen in the last sixty seconds. So that's that seems like a very big thing for you. Yeah. And I, I also love specificity as well. It takes a certain amount of like you know, owning your emotions and emotional Mm -hmm. maturity to be able to write about them and actually like analyze them at the same time. And I think both those artists do. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I obviously grew up like loving Avril Lavigne, not just for the ties, but I thought her lyrics were amazing. 
um, Gracie Abrams. Mm-hmm. People love Gracie Abrams. I love Gracie Abrams. I've tried to listen to it. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like, I, I'm, I just don't. It hasn't hit for me, and that's right up my alley. That, in theory, I'll give it another listen. Yeah, I, she's working on some music right now. That's supposed to be amazing. Let's see how that goes. But I, I think she writes really well, especially about like love and um, like growing up in a really like exactly what I was saying about that time of with Cracker yeah. and Dynamite. I'm glad that become a theme on the podcast. That's a theme. Um, but do you know who I'm obsessed with right now is Omar Apollo. I don't know if you guys have have gotten into Omar, but like I cannot stop listening to him. Yeah, I saw his ass at the Bodie LA store opening copping gear. He's very good looking. Yeah, he he also I just feel like writes really, really, really beautiful music. And he's putting out a ton of singles right now. And But is the music good or you just like the lyrics? The music's good, I think. I'm like I'm all in on Omar Apollo right now. Jason, what what where are you at on Omar? Yeah, Jason, let's hear it. For a TikTok artist, he's pretty good. Are there any <laughs> um groups or songwriters that you like that are not industry plants? Do you like any non industry plant music? <laughs> yeah, actually your taste does lean industry plant, which makes sense for you. When you name JJ Abrams' daughter as one of your favorites, we know, we know. Olivia, Olivia, no, Olivia, I mean, Olivia has the Disney connection. Olivia's an, Olivia's, they're all industry plants. And she's I, not an industry plant. She's the whole forest. <laughs> no, I guess Phoebe is not an industry Phoebe's plant. Phoebe's not an industry plant. Phoebe's a freak from the valley, you know, or Pasadena. What do you? Where do you fall on Billy Eyelash? I love Billy so much. I, I was like an OG Billy fan. I was. Finding her on SoundCloud, downloading things on SoundCloud, like I was all in. And you I ever go? Do you ever go through a big, a big shorts phase, or you you didn't you didn't let it go that far? <laughs> no, uh, but I, smart, I was smart. <laughs> I was uh, for Halloween one year, so Billy for Halloween. Oh, that's cool. That's actually great for you. That sounds like a comfortable costume. Yeah, it does. It was very comfortable. I just wore like a full sweatsuit. <laughs> yeah, giant Gucci sweats that you cut off. I. Yeah, you do. You do have a nice taste for industry plants. I like this. This is cool because I, I also love industry plants, and I, I have no shame in that. Like, if if something's good, I don't give a fuck how it got to me. I'm happy that I have it. I remember again going back to Sour. Like the first time I listened to that album, I was like, "Oh my goodness! Like this is everything!" Like I kind of no, the shit slaps. The shit is good as hell, and she's album. she's bad as hell too. That doesn't hurt. You know that doesn't. And hurt. her voice. I mean, even if you take the lyrics out, she has a phenomenal voice. No, she can sing her ass off. I agree with you. And I'm I'm big on people that can sing their ass off. You know, I want you to be able to really do it. I got to check out her lyrics. I haven't done that yet. You haven't checked out her lyrics? I'm more of a vibes guy. Use this website called Genius. Willa, let's talk about Avril real yeah, quick. Yeah, please. Please. Yeah. So she's not only like a musical icon, a goat, if you will, but she's also like a style icon for you as well, right? Yes. As of late, what are some of her favorite looks that she's been rocking lately? I really liked her nylon, her nylon outfits. I thought they were cool. I wish she would like, if she ever listens to this, I wish she would just like lean into the ties. I feel like we, like, where are they? Oh, I know you still have. Them. <laughs> where are your fucking ties, bro? Like, let's lean into the archives. Let's take the like iconic time moments from the nineties. Like who's she? Da- who's she dating? Is she dating Young Blood? B L U D. Is that a real person? You don't keep up with all the fun stuff. I don't care about music. I care about who's fucking who, baby. That's what I want to know. I want to know. It's about this music. So, Willa, do you know that I'm in a Avril Lavigne music video? Did you know that? Really? The song is called "I'm with You." Oh, I love that song. What a tune! What character? What character? No, this is not a joke, Willa. He's literally been in all these music videos as an extra because he's tall. But what video? What? 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 What did you play in the video, Jason? Guy who takes five dollars from her at a indie rock concert venue and i stamp her perfect little hand with my rubber stamp and take five dollars from her oh so you had and you you actually interacted with avril you weren't just like in a mosh scene it's called a featured extra chris and i did get paid i got paid double so that was a 200 hundred dollar day for me i i lived through the first wave of emo as not only a person with ears but also as my career uh and you know it's it's been pretty interesting for me to watch the return of all this shit and like watch machine gun Kelly go from like a bad white rapper to a bad, um, like some 41, but I didn't, I, were you prepared for this? I didn't think the world, I didn't think this is where we were going. I, I, I don't know. I spent a lot of time on social media, obviously specifically TikTok, And I, I felt like I saw like little glimpses of it. You saw it coming. I saw, saw it coming, coming for bit. sure. Um, but it was just so wild because I have two teen sisters to hear one of them be like, have you ever heard the song Complicated by Avril Lavigne? And I just like laugh. 
Yeah, I've never heard of it. Why, why don't you play it for me, Alfie? Uh, so that, that was kind of funny. I, I think it makes sense. I think everything, especially in fashion, like comes back around. And um, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting and inspiring to like watch my little sisters like discover something for the first time. So they're like, whoa, this song is crazy. Willa, like, look at this bridge. Like, it's it's so wild to watch it from their eyes. And I, I like personally love it. But the Bennett's love a bridge. I got to say the Bennett. I tell you what, you guys are a little more advanced. My little sister thinks a bridge takes you over water. You know, that's <laughs> like you guys. We don't. My my sister thinks of uh, a bar chord is something different that I mean. <laughs> That is nice to see. I would like to experience that because I think young people are more confounding than ever now to to adults. Like it's like the I think the the moat between the two is is the gap is wider than it ever has been. You know what I mean? But you're like, how old are they? How old are your sisters? Uh, eighteen and sixteen. Oh, baby, that's like a focus group built in. That's beautiful. Oh, they're the best. They're like truly. It's like, a prime demographic. Yeah, I think about them all the time, especially with my work. Just like you know, how how are young people you know receiving different stories? How can I influence them? What are they into? Are they cool? They're the coolest, obviously. They just discovered Avril Lavigne, Chris. They're extremely cool. <laughs> okay, <that> was- <laughs> I already told you the story, Chris. Did you not fucking hear it, dumbass? Well, no, but I mean, you know what I mean. It's like, are they like? Because I feel like. When I was that age, I was a dumbass, of course, uh, and that trend has continued. But I mean, like, they're so much more advanced. They have access to so much more than we ever had, you know? So I, I just feel like it's... Mm-hmm. Do, do you see them getting, like, deeply interested in things from your era and then figuring it all out so quickly because of the access? Or is it like they're kind of on to some future shit? Um, that's a good question. I feel like they... I feel like they have so much more available at their fingertips than I ever did. Like, for example, like, you know, when I was coming out as queer, like I was like searching Reddit and like live journal and, you know, looking at YouTube videos, like, <laughs> yo, yo, am I gay on Reddit? <laughs> like figuring out, figuring out things like versus my little sister, like there's a whole side of TikTok called queer talk. And like, she's on there all day, every day. Yeah. And it's like not even a crazy thing to know about what queerness is for her. So there's obviously those differences, but yeah. um, I think it's also hard in new ways. I think, you know, the social media of it all. Like mm-hmm. imagine having essentially two high schools. There's one in real life and then one online and navigating that has been really interesting to like help both of them through and empower them. And I think if anything, it makes me realize like the work we do at GQ is just so fucking important because a lot of times with young people, like they're going to their phones before they're talking to their friends. And so that's something I think a lot about. Definitely. Can you tell me what queer talk is exactly? Is it just, is it just like a, is it a hashtag situation where everything happens under this umbrella or is there something more structured to it? It's a side of TikTok. So uh, you have your for you page. It's basically like you, you follow less people on TikTok and you know, it's really just like an algorithm that's serving you things. And so, yeah. okay. Okay. We're talking like a side of TikTok. That's like, you know, a ton of queer influencers and you know, people just like talking about it. It's honestly amazing. Like black Twitter. Okay. Now I understand. It's like black Twitter. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's a sub genre. It's not a real place that you can go to. But you've never <laughs> been on queer talk is what you're trying to tell. Me. No, but this, this algorithm is, is absolutely serving is what you're saying. Willa <laughs> huge on there right now. I do appreciate that. That part of the internet and access is, I agree with you. I think that's like really important because you can find your people and not feel as alone, et cetera, in a, in a, a way that's much easier than it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago or 10 years ago. No, a hundred, a hundred percent. And my, my first job out of college um, was at 17 magazine. And so I worked at like one of the most iconic teen brands and it was so interesting to kind of like see what it meant mm-hmm. to like run a social platform that, you know, had this legacy. And, you know, I think a lot about young people and, um, you know, my, my thesis in college, I went to a middle school for a month and I wrote a paper about how like the future of magazines depended on social media and how social media is the future of storytelling. So I, I think a lot about this. Um, but I will say like watching my little sisters, especially in the pandemic, go through high school, both, you know, virtually over zoom, but then also online was just like such a wild experience. And I think they have to navigate situations that like we wouldn't have even dreamed of yeah. growing up. And yeah. So, you- a lot about that and i think right now to be a publisher you have to be having these conversations no i agree and luckily for me the bullying stopped at 3 30 you know what i mean it didn't continue on to instagram or tiktok when i got home you know guys like jason were picking on me and shit but now you know it's non-stop it's coming at you from every side yeah that that part is terrifying and also just changing so quickly i mean i say this about my job but my you know every month essentially is different online like the platforms are changing the algorithms are changing and this is something we talk a lot about about gq it's like you know, how, like, what does it, you just have to be so flexible and nimble. And, um, that's why I, that's why I've stopped. That's why I've stopped. I'm Instagram is the last one for me. 
I'm good. I don't need TikTok. I don't need it. It's not for me. I've lasted this long. I'm good. Yeah, and I completely respect that decision. And the teen cool thing to do right now is like <laughs> to have no posts on your Instagram feed. And I'm like, look, I totally wait. Tell me, tell me, hold on, tell me more about what the cool teens are doing. Let me see if I can mimic that. Tell, go, go ahead, please. <laughs> Stories only, Chris. Stories so you have only. no grid posts at all, or like one selfie, or none? Like none. Not like the teens are right now. I don't know. A lot of them don't. You just have one cryptic Polaroid and then it says, yeah, you know, or just like zero posts. I follow three people <laughs> and I have 8,000 followers. So they all have like 30K like, followers. So <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> the they're all like wildly, like have so many followers. Yeah, they all right now, they're, a lot of them are obsessed with, you know, archiving their posts and just posting to stories constantly. Um, but it was so cool. And our Robert Pattinson issue, obviously, was like, viral everywhere my little sister like calls me and it's like I just uh it's so cool I like all my friends are making tiktoks about it and she was sending them to me and it's like wow like there's some people's like you're seeing things for the first time on tiktok and then going to subscribe to the magazine and like how special is that that's yeah cool. that's twi- that, that's back that's back ass words is what else that won't necessarily be the case in a month but like right now no you're right you're right because before social media was destroying the publishing industry and then they hired you. Boom, turned it around, turned it and around. now social media is saving the publishing industry. No, 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 I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I would, I but would. But I mean, it, I like it, you are sort of a necessary evil, you know what I mean? Because if you're a traditional publisher, how, you know, if you're a Condé Nast, you just want to keep making magazines and selling ads forever, but then social media comes around and then you're like, fuck, we got to like do a lot of pivoting for these motherfucking young people because i mean how do you even make a tiktok about a, a, a magazine cover like what does that even consist of just you putting like the magazine cover on the background and then you're like you guys this is so fucking sick robert pattinson looks so sick all right like and subscribe exactly what i do you just spelled it out <laughs> <laughs> so jason's that also sounds, a social media expert i gotta say that sounds ridiculously awful yeah, man. <laughs> not to be a poo-pooer no i think what has been so cool about social recently is that i feel like people are taking it a lot more seriously recently which is really amazing like i feel like when i started when i was at 17 like you know the magazine would come out and i'd be like hey guys we should post this on instagram and it would like take a minute <laughs> it was just like so new and fresh and you know i just graduated from college and i had kind of like written this whole thing about how like social media is the future of magazine media and what does that mean and what does it mean to be a social platform and then you know now i feel like we're getting to a place where people are you know really valuing social media and people are really taking these jobs more seriously and it's so cool it's just really it's like i i did not think it would happen so quickly and um you know tiktok and Fortnite and you know all these things that are just continuing to blow up they really are part no, of No, I know, and, and they have to be. And, I mean, yeah. Jason's an influencer now. It's part of his strategy as well, so it's not... I probably play Fortnite eight hours a day at this point. If you, really? yeah, if you have any advice for J- Jason to get more engagement on his his sponsored content posts, we would love to hear kind of some rules. Yeah, actually, yeah, let's talk offline, maybe. So, Jason, let's uh, archive your posts. Okay. Only post the stories. First of all, <laughs> okay. First of all, when the brands tell you we want it on the grid, you say, no, we don't do that anymore. We only do stories. That's what you have to do. That's going to mess up some of my previous agreements. <laughs> I just... I, I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Some of my sponsors really depend on my grid posts. But the the reality is the grid doesn't matter. The grid is extinct, is, is what you're telling us. That's what young people are saying. That's what I'm just, Yeah, I'm just saying some teens are doing this right now. <laughs> not all teens. No, no, everyone. no. But I think that I think the grid is tr- is truly like I think that it matters less than it ever has. I'm glad they can afford to not post on grid, but I have a family to feed, Willa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't have two dogs going hungry in Glendale because Jason got an ego. <laughs> <laughs> should we uh should we come up with your tiktok strategy right here right now i think this podcast could blow up on tiktok honestly i uh we're we're pretty not tiktok adjacent neither of us have tiktok on our phones um or have we ever made a tiktok so we're gonna need more than a strategy jason's a great dancer though and i know that uh, that kind of plays into tiktok right there's a lot of dancing on tiktok am i right maybe they used to be or i don't know if it's still moving away from that i i feel like now like, there's legitimate cultural moments that get responded to on them but- look i don't want to talk about the war in ukraine on tiktok okay i want to see dances <laughs> i want to see dumb shit i want to see somebody jump up and down their outfit change 
I don't need to see Zelensky on TikTok, but that's. So do you each have TikTok? No, no, no. Oh wow. No, no, none of us have TikTok. None of us have ever made a TikTok. We don't have the app on our phone. I really admire that. I really, really do. I, I have always been the type of person where it's like even. If I was your age, we would have it though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my example. This is like when Twilight was blowing up in high school. Like you know, it's not the best literature in the world, but I like went and read it. Like I'm always <laughs> like I need to know why people are gravitating towards something so I, I, was, I, was, I was on tiktok during musically days like i was literally had a musically okay account. go off i also have house party account oh no that's too dark that's dark i <laughs> so mean that's worse than you're bragging about just to clarify <laughs> i'm like asking to be dragged at this point but <laughs> yeah i like have all the platforms you're trying to swag out on us by well, saying I mean, you had a room on house your party. job you yeah, literally your wrote the, your thesis on it, so you you have a a, a fair excuse. But for for me or, and for Chris, it's like if you're gonna, you know, we use Twitter and Instagram just because of whatever. But like if you have your uh, some thoughts on a matter, you know, I would write them out on Twitter eloquently as as possible, and then post it, and then that's it. But but TikTok is like okay, I'm gonna write these thoughts out very briefly in little one sentence fragments, and then film a video of myself pointing <laughs> pointing at all these things you know it's like this should happen i point at it and my and it's just it's there's so much vanity it's like i have to show myself it's just i can save jason some time here it's an economy it. of words we're not hot enough to be on tiktok is what i'm trying to say that's we're wrong not- that's wrong there's so many ugly people on tiktok it's just like that need that pathetic need to show yourself you know, if you're if, like, if you're talking about what's going on, you know, trouble in Afghanistan and I have to like put makeup on and do like a dance to show how <laughs> I think about it and like resources that you can look up about, you know, any myriad of, of things, it's, it, it negates any, you know, a- integrity. I think that's the whole point, Jason. It's making that stuff palatable for, for a generation that may not see it otherwise which i i agree with you is is problematic in its own way but i think that like there's a certain line of thinking that as long as the information is being disseminated being disseminated sesame street exactly the problem is it's like we're not three years old anymore like these are fucking like these are like 40 year old moms making videos like that well jason i i'm i understand where you're coming from i understand where you're coming from but i'm mad as i'm mad as a donkey right now willa you could you're mad as hell his hind legs are going out you know what I mean? It's I, I yeah, no, I, I totally understand all all sides. It's a complicated thing. I just have always felt that, you know, it's important to acknowledge social media and how it's changing things rather than Yeah, like, no, I you know. no, I agree with you hundred percent. Oh, one one thousand percent. I agree that it is absolutely the future of everything and social media in the next ten years will like magazines won't exist whatsoever. No, that's not true. <laughs> I, I actually disagree. I like, mean in I, the in the in the iteration that we see it in now. In a physical print form, it'll be a, a novelty, a collector's item, not not a, a, a periodical standard. Yeah, I actually don't actually necessarily agree with that. I think GQ will be around forever, and I I think you know we're only at in the metaverse. magazine, and I I literally like could not love GQ more as a magazine. I just think it's important to be changing with the times, and I think that's something that GQ look. Will doesn't really well. listen to this. You don't have to brand. <laughs> no, but I do. He does listen to this. No, but I we've done really well. We have really like changed the times and change is good and we've really embraced that and I think it's so exciting and I truly like collect magazines. I have all of them ever. No, we love magazines. I'm just No, Jason, I think you're I think you're wrong because this goes back to like fashion shows not happening anymore. It's like there's still too many people at the top of these organizations that make the decisions that want this stuff to exist. And they're going to be mm-hmm. in charge for quite a long time. So I don't think there's going to be any crazy systemic shift. Well, we've talked about this uh, ad nauseum. And I will I will always say for now. But you said for, these people will be in charge for quite a long time. What's your definition of quite a long time? How many years? Gr- great question, Jason. I'm not really a numbers guy, as you know. But I'm going to say that there's going to be... So if there's all the people running it now are like, you know, in, in their mid-40s or something to to mid-50s yeah, who are they, making the real decisions, how much longer are they going to run these run these things for before the youth and the metaverse and Bitcoin and and self-starting artists just dismantle that whole industry? I don't think, I don't think any of that... I don't think the metaverse is going to dismantle anything. I think the metaverse is, uh, is, is, is going to be something people participate in and no one's really going to understand it for a very long time. Like, I think all these brands and, and when you say a very long time, how many years are we talking about? Oh, I know you're not a numbers guy. I mean, countless. Like, I just think that the rush to participate 
everybody gets in now because it's all anybody hears about, but nobody knows what's actually happening or if it's good or bad. They're just doing it to participate in the in the metaverse. The metaverse fashion week, I don't think really I don't think we're seeing a lot of returns from that, is my point. Well when when did musically come out, Willa? And then when did TikTok come out after musically? Uh, TikTok actually the whole rebrand actually happened during the pandemic, which is cool. But I, I will say oh, my I thought on that. this topic is that um like I do think at the end of the day people want to read go- good stories. And I think that our in our magazine, like I genuinely believe the stories are so amazing and incredible. And I think if you're receiving it on TikTok, if you're reading the physical magazine, if you're going to iconic magazines to buy one, like at the end of the day, like it, it really is about the storytelling. It's and all so the same. It's I all think the that same. The means are going to continue to change. It's going to go from TikTok to you know some platform that we mm-hmm. doesn't even exist yet, and that's cool. And we can be nimble and continue to like embrace change, which we do really well at GQ. But at the end of the day, like it's storytelling. Like it all comes back storytelling and like the ability to you know. Well, I think it all. I think it all comes. It all comes back to having a hot celebrity on the cover first and foremost, and then the story. The storytelling comes right after that, though, right a close second. Well, what if, what if, let's say, for example, I'm a very, very good storyteller, and I have a Patreon, and I make three hundred thousand dollars a month telling my cool stories. Why would I ever work for GQ and get paid sixty-eight grand a year? You know, and have to work under a corporate overlord and be told what I can and cannot write about, and being assigned what I'm going to write. But no, Jason, that's what you don't understand. All these things can exist. That that's what I think. That's the point is that like all this stuff can exist and none of it has to go away. That's true. Yeah, that's like true. I don't think any like the inve- the invention of the newsletter didn't knock publishing on its ass. It just changed it a little bit. I agree. I I just think I think that things are just going to continue to change and we're you know we're going to continue to adapt in a really quick way. But again, like again, like it comes down to the stories. Like I, I, I can only make a TikTok if the magazine exists. You know that doesn't come out of thin air. You know and and I think GQ really is like a mm. really amazing item that is created by this like collaboration of everyone on staff and it's really the stories that you know we're passionate about and you know some of the editors that work there seriously like have changed my writing they're so talented and Mm -hmm. have changed the way I think about storytelling and writing and I think the magazine is a reflection of you know people's tastes and interests and um, well that's why magazines but that's why magazines are interesting to me because I don't want to hear one person all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not interesting. That's why I don't want to read somebody's Substack where they shit out something every week just about their opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love magazines, and Chris and I have talked about magazines, you know, thousands of times on this podcast, and we grew up on them. We're we love them so much. I'm just kind of being pessimistic, devil's advocate, for the sake of uh, spirited discourse with you guys. Totally, you know? and I welcome all. I know you do. And, uh, yeah, I, I I could talk about social media all. Day. She said she said shut up, bitch. That's no, what she I, said. I, I <laughs> she said shut up, bitch. Subscribe on condenas.com to all our shit. Subscribe to all our shit. All right, so Chris, if you could shoot anyone on the cover of Vogue, who would it be? Let's hear it. The answer is Haley Bieber. Wow. But you would not put Olivia Rodrigo on the cover. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gathering from this conversation. I'm surprised she hasn't well, gotten she one. She does 1,100 covers a month, so we you know we'd like to do something a little bit more. Un- untraditional perhaps has she done she hasn't done a big cover though has yeah, she? she's done lots of covers she's also been in gq i love this loves the shoot yeah. she's wearing suits it was amazing no but i'm saying but she didn't do like a vogue cover she did <laughs> no, like she did l LUS. canada i think it was l-u-s l-u-s okay i mean look i'll take it but but i mean yeah no i i collect magazines truly i'm pretty sure i have it on my coffee table somewhere here what's the what's the most rare and obscure magazine that you are a fan of yeah rodrigo's done teen vogue l Regular Vogue, Billboard, Nylon, Variety, V. Not V. What year is it? On. Jesus Christ. Inez and Venude, Olivia Rodrigo for V. Oh, yeah, Bowen wrote that. It was great. Bowen Yang. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that must have been electrifying. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to buy that one on eBay. Uh, Willa, thank you for joining us. Yeah. We hope How you had a blast. Gone. We appreciate you coming on. We hope you have a blast. Thank you for having me. You got it. And you guys, where can people find? Where can people find you on the World Wide Web? W H uh, Bennett. Haley is my middle name, which is why there's an H. But if you spell my name with an H, I won't be mad. It happens every day. I get that. I know you're. I, I'm glad that you're open to that. Mm, okay. Uh, we'll find you there. Yeah. No. We'll look for you on all of the GQ Legacy Media social properties. I'm gonna look for you on eBay and start outbidding you on some legacy ties. <laughs> <laughs> it's a competition for the ties. I wish you would, motherfucker. And um, we'll see you uh, for a Diet Coke at Finelli's very soon. <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you for having me. You search forever, now I drive alone past your street.
Street. 